Well, thank you, everyone. Good morning. Good thank morning. you for all waking up earlier, uh, one hour this morning to join us. Um, yeah, I just um, yeah, I just think this is uh, uh, great uh, to come back and uh, to just share today's uh, Psalm ninety one with you all. Uh, the the verses, everything will be from Psalm ninety one. Um, we'll be going through Psalm ninety one, and um, the title is Under His Wings. And uh, so let's just pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you brought us here in this beautiful uh, sunny morning and that we can just uh, wake up, that we can just come and we want to listen to your word. We want to just meditate on your word. We want to hear uh, just how your word can impact our lives and just fill us this day, Lord. Fill us, Lord, with all your grace. Fill us with your love and Fill us with your word, Lord. Um, direct us uh, this morning as we uh, listen, uh, all of us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So since the pandemic, Christians have been sending Psalm 91 to each other to encourage, to comfort each other. Um, you probably have uh, seen this psalm uh, being sent out. So we, def we definitely need the peace and protection from God during these times, these, uh, you could say, uh, dangerous or, or uncertain times. And even though the vaccines are being rolled out, not everyone has been vaccinated and people are still worried because uh, of the virus, uh, because of the virus variants. And also recently there has been the rise in attacks and violence toward Asians, and this can be concerning uh, to us all. So Psalm 91 is such an important song for us to hold on to during these times. So today, let's go to this song. Let's see what God wants us, us to do when we face life's dangers and challenges. Today, I will be pointing out 10 things that I see God calling us to do from Psalm 91. So let's go to the first one. First is to draw near to God. And the verse is from the verse 1a, which says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. We see here, God is calling us to draw near to him because we cannot dwell in the shelter of the Most High without drawing near to God. So how can we draw near to God? James 4, 8 tells us that to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts you double-minded. So brothers and sisters, we cannot draw near to God unless we first cleanse our hands, as this verse says, and purify our hearts. And God is asking us to examine ourselves whether Jesus is truly uh, being the Lord of our life, whether, whether he's truly Lord um, in our lives. Our old sinful nature, as we know, has been crucified with Christ on the cross, and we have been spiritually resurrected with Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. God has given us a power to say no when we're faced with temptations. So now believe, have faith in the power of Christ in you, the power of the Holy Spirit, who's able to help you cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. The Hebrew for dwells means to rest, to remain, to sit down. So we're to rest, 
to remain and sit down in God's shelter in the secret place to hide from danger. So where's this shelter? It's the most holy place. In the Old Testament, it's the holy of holies. It's behind the veil where the Ark of the Covenant sits. And no one dares to come near to it, uh, to this place without God's permission. Only the high priest is allowed inside once a year. But almost 2000 years ago, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn from top to bottom. We see that in Matthew 27, 51, opening the Holy of Holies to all who will believe in Jesus Christ as their saviors. So brothers and sisters, we have that confidence to enter into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by new and living way, opened up for us through the veil, and that is his body from Hebrews 10, 19 to 20. And Jesus opened the way for us to go to the shelter. And Jesus is that shelter. Jesus is that secret place. Jesus is that hiding place. As Psalm 119, 114 in the KJV says, thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Through Jesus, we can pray to our heavenly father who is in the secret to have the intimate and personal communion with God. And the Holy Spirit lives in us so that we can draw near to God to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, the one who is over all, who is through all, and who is in all. So everything in heaven and on earth are under his control. Amen? Okay. Number two, abide in Christ. Verse 1b says, well, abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So God is calling us to abide in Christ because that is where we will be safe. And we're constantly, we're supposed to be uh, constantly and continuously dwelling in the protection of God. It is a place that's always there for us to spend the night. And what that means is to find security, to find rest in times when we have darkness, temptations, and dangers. Now, shadow means shade and defense, and almighty means most powerful. So to abide in the shadow of the almighty means that you're permanently residing in the most powerful shelter and defense on earth. So then how can you abide in Christ? Let's look at John 15, 4. It says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So we see from this verse, number one is abiding in Christ means you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? And then John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So we see here, number two is that abiding in Christ means that you're bearing fruit for Christ. And this means the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the fruit of the gospel and all the good works that you can do in Christ. And next we see John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
So number three, abiding in Christ means that God's word is rooted in your heart and your prayers are being heard by God because you're doing his will. Next, John 59 tells us, just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. So from this verse, we see number four is abiding in Christ means that you're living in God's love and you're living out God's love. Next, John 15, uh, John 15, 10. It says, uh, if you keep, so that should be John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So number five from uh, John 15, 10 is, abiding in Christ means that you're obeying the commandments of God by loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you're safe when you are abiding in Christ because you know God will take care of, of all your needs and just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Also the Chinese word for abide, chang, sounds like the word for hide. And that's also true because our life is also hidden in Christ as Colossians 3, 3 tells us. So that's number two. Number three is to trust in God. Verse two says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So God is calling us to trust in him because he is our refuge and fortress. God is not just telling us to trust in him in our hearts, but he wants us to say to him, Lord, I trust in you. Not only that, but God wants us to declare three things belong to us. When people are looking for a safe place, we tell them, I got it. Jesus is my refuge. When people are looking for an impenetrable fortress, we tell them, I got it. Jesus is my fortress. When people are looking for supernatural help, we tell them, I got it. Jesus is my God. Amen. Amen. And verse three tells us, surely he will save you from the fire snare and from the deadly pestilence. The fire snare is a bird trap. So deadly pestilence is a destructive plague. God will rescue you from the dangerous traps of sin and the destructive plagues in your life. How many times have God rescued you spiritually and physically from harm? So question is, can Christians get sick? Let's take a look at Philippians 2, 25 to 27. Here Paul tells the Philippians that Epaphroditus was ill and almost died. Paul calls Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs, Philippians 2.25. So maybe people will ask, how can a Christian like Epaphroditus, who was faithfully serving God, get sick and almost die? How can God allow such things to happen? But we see Paul says in verse 27, Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. So we see God was merciful and healed Epaphroditus. Now, notice Paul did not emphasize the healing itself as a, a focus on the healing itself as a great miracle, but rather focused on the mercy of God. What this shows is that God cares about our feelings and the sorrows that we will experience, 
if someone we love dies. And, and we can have faith that he is a merciful God. And we can trust in his sovereignty as well. Now, whether we get sick or not, God has already saved us from the power of sin and death through Jesus Christ. And God has already given us the ultimate healing of our souls through Jesus. And all the healings we experience on earth is just a foretaste of the eternal healing that we have already received in Jesus Christ. Amen. Number four is put on the full armor of God from verse four. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings, you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. God's calling us to put on the full armor of God because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, powers, forces of darkness and weakness in the heavenly realm. Verse four says that God's wings will cover you and nothing can get through his wings. And this is a picture of a baby bird under the protection of the mother bird. So God's faithfulness is your shield and defensive wall. You can say that's airtight. It's, you can say it's waterproof. And where can we get this shield and defensive wall? Ephesians 6, 13 tells us, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. So put on the spiritual armor, your spiritual armor. Put on the belt of truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. So put on the truth of Jesus. Put on your breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Put on the shoes, the readiness of the shoes of the uh, readiness of the gospel so that you can be ready to share the gospel at any moment and make the most of every opportunity. So be ready uh, and any opportunity to share the gospel and take up the shield of faith, which is God's faithfulness. His faithfulness is the wall which no flaming arrows or the devil can get through and take up the helmet of salvation to protect your mind, guard your mind with the salvation in Jesus Christ to give you that peace, the peace beyond all understanding. And then take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God can fight against all the evil attacks. Number five, this is not to fear. Verse five to six says, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. So God is calling us not to fear because we belong to him. These verses are saying, you will not fear anything that can attack you in the day, in the night, or in the day, in the darkness, or in the broad daylight. God's protection is unlimited. You will not fear anything you cannot see or anything you can see. You will not fear the virus or dangers you cannot see or news about the virus or dangers that you cannot, that you can see. God can save you from all these fears. Of course, we still need to follow all the safety uh, protocols and, 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 um, and all the uh, things that people tell us, right? Because we, but we don't need to live in the fear and anxieties. And why are, now, uh, why are we not afraid? Because in Jesus Christ, our salvation has brought us peace and security in God, and we're no longer afraid of the things that we used to fear. Fear is no longer your master because Jesus Christ is your master, amen? And God's perfect love has cast out all our fears, and we're safe. We're safe in the arms of our Heavenly Father, amen? 
Number six is to witness God's deliverance. Verse seven to eight. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but you will not come near you. You will only look over your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. So God is calling us to witness his deliverance so that we can be his witnesses. Whatever happens in our life, we can testify of God's goodness and faithfulness. What these verses are saying is that we will witness God's protection on us and his hand working to accomplish his purpose. God wants you to look at these things and observe these things from his perspective, from a spiritual perspective, not from a worldly perspective. Don't react like the world from a man-centered worldview, but look at things from a Christ-centered view and, and uh, learn God's principles so that you can recognize when there are ideologies uh, that's not biblical and also know why. Why are they not biblical? Ask yourself, is this according to God's purpose? Ask yourself, is this according to God's design as I read, as, as we read in the Bible? And also, do you see God working in your situation right now? Are you observing and God is calling you to watch, to watch and also to pray? Watch how he's going to work out his righteous ways. Watch how God will use this time to help you grow closer to him, to know him. And watch how God's spirit will come and do a mighty work in your midst, in the world, everywhere where you have prayed. And because God wants you to have a lot of stories to tell about him to the future, future generations. Amen? Amen. Number seven says, continue. Number seven, verse nine to 10 says, uh, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. So number seven is to continue remaining in the Lord. Verse nine is basically repeating what verse one and two is saying. So, so God is saying, continue. Continue to remain me. Continue. Don't stop spending time in my word. Continue and don't stop to pray for revival. Continue and don't stop praying for protection. And don't stop. Don't take off your spiritual armor, your spiritual PPE, right? Don't stop praying. Don't stop serving, right? Why did God make uh, tell us to make the most high your dwelling? How can we as humans make God anything? And yet God's calling us to make him our dwelling. The word make actually means to appoint. So what right do we have to appoint God to anything? Will you appoint the U.S. president to anything? And yet God's calling us to appoint him to the place where you will dwell. And that's just how amazing God's love and his grace is to us. Tell a story about Charles Spurgeon, who was the great British preacher. In 1854, he was serving London when there was a severe outbreak of cholera, which is an acute intestinal infection caused by drinking or eating contaminated water or food. Family after family summoned him, and almost every day he was called to visit the grave. 
As a young preacher, he gave himself fully to visit the sick and were sent to people from all corners of the district, from all ranks and religions. And he became weary in body and sick at heart. His friends seemed, seemed to fall one by one and he felt or thought he was getting sick as well. He felt his burden was heavier than he can bear. And when he was returning mournfully home from a funeral, he saw a paper stuck to a shoemaker's window. He walked closer to take a look. On the paper is handwritten the words from Psalm 91 verse nine in an older English version. It says, because you hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Spurgeon wrote, quote, the fact upon my heart was immediate. Faith appropriated the passage as her own. I felt secure, refreshed, girt with immortality. I went on with my visitation of the dying in a calm and peaceful spirit. I felt no fear of evil and I suffered no harm, unquote. So God reminded Spurgeon to continue remaining in him and he will experience the protection and deliverance of God. Number eight, engaging spiritual warfare. Here it says that for he will give you his, he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample, you will trample down. That's verse 11 to 13. God is calling us to engage in spiritual warfare because in Christ we will triumph over the spiritual forces of evil represented by the lion, cobra, great lion, and serpent. God will send his angels to go before you to guard all your ways. You will see God is able to guard your ways as you trust in him. And God has given you the spiritual authority to rebuke the evil spirits. And God has given you victory over the powers of darkness. In the name of Jesus Christ, pray boldly with faith for all your needs and the needs of people around you. Let me... Um, let, let me read that verse again. I, um, this verse 11 to 13. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample down. Number nine is to know Christ and make him known. Verse 14 says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. So God is calling us to know Christ and make him known because we need to know the Lord more and people need to know the Lord also. This is a time to spend more time with the Lord because in the past, you may feel there's always too many activities. You're too busy to spend time with the Lord. Now you don't have a lot of 
church activities, no conferences to go to, no retreats to plan, no outreach events to host. So, so what is God's purpose? Is to know Christ deeper. In, instead of consuming your time now watching one video after another or reading one post of, after another, why not sit down and read the Bible, not on your phone, but in paper print, so you won't be distracted by all the notifications. And how can you make Christ known during this time? I see you're doing community service and outreach, and that's a great way to let people experience the love of Christ during, through the church during this time. Are there also friends that you can invite to some of these church online activities or in-person activities? I believe people are very lonely during this time. And maybe they will appreciate your invitation. Whether they come or not, you can leave it up to God. When I think about the time my, my own friends invited me to Christian activities, and that was before I was a Christian, and those are sweet memories when I, when I think about them. And uh, they, I really see that they're truly the loving invitations from God through my Christian friends, even though they may have felt awkward or even disappointed because I had told them no. I remember in high school, there was a girl who rode the same bus as me, and we sometimes sat together. One time she invited me to her church retreat. I didn't want to go because I, I didn't know anyone there, and I didn't know the place they're going. So I told her, oh, actually, I had, to, I had another conference, uh, sorry, uh, actually on the same weekend. Just happened to be that weekend. And, but... Now when I think back, I think, wow, um, just that was so, uh, yeah, so nice of her to do that. And I could still remember her sweet face. I could still um, just remember her, just, yeah, the kind of disappointment as well uh, on her face when she, uh, I, I, I said I, I can't go. But I believe God will reward her for her faithfulness in asking me, um, even though, yeah, uh, she was disappointed um, that I said no. I believe that uh, she will be um, excited to know that in less than about three years, I would become a brother in Christ and be full of excitement to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior, even though, um, yeah, she, she may not know that at the time. So brothers and sisters, this is my encouragement to you. Uh, keep praying, keep inviting knowing that the seeds of faith you sow will reap a harvest of righteousness in God's time, sometimes sooner, sometimes later. Amen? Mm -hmm. Number 10 is to experience the power of salvation. Verses 15 to 16. He will call me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God's calling us to experience the power of his salvation because his salvation includes everything. The salvation of Jesus Christ is not just a ticket to heaven. God's working on his salvation in every part of our life, in our family, in our work, in our school, in every place we go. Actually, the last word in Psalm 91 is the word, my salvation, as you see here. And this is actually the last word in the original Hebrew as well. So, Salvation is God's ultimate purpose in his plan. We need to look at everything through God's grand purpose of salvation for mankind and all of creation. 
Our life is in God's hands. Therefore, we do not consider our life as more precious than doing the will of God. We know that we already have eternal life in Christ. And as long as our task is not done, we must fight on until we have done all that God has called us to do on earth. Let me end with a story from World War II. During the dreadful week in May of 1940, when the British army had been forced into total retreat and lay exposed on the sandy shores of Dunkirk in France, many miracles occurred. A British chaplain told of lying face down in the sand for what seemed an eternity on the shell-torn beach at Dunkirk. Nazi bombers dropped their lethal bombs, causing shrapnel to kick up sand all around him. Although dazed by the concussions around him, the British chaplain suddenly became aware that in spite of the deafening roar of the shells and bombs falling all around him, he hadn't been hit. With bullets still raining down about him, he stood and stared in, with amazement at the outline of his own shape in the sand. It was the only smooth and undisturbed spot on the entire bullet-riddled beach. His heavenly shell must have fit the exact shape of his body. That day, 60 German aircrafts fired on more than 400 men who were pinned down on the beach without any place to take cover. Every man in that group left the beach without a scratch. One reporter stated, quote, I have personally been told by Navy men who picked up those particular survivors from Dunkirk that the men not only recited Psalm 91, but they shouted out, shouted out loud, aloud at the top of their lungs, unquote. Amen. So thank the Lord for the cloud of witnesses who have came before us. So now, brothers and sisters, it's our turn on the stage. How will we as Christians live? And God is watching and the world is watching. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, that you have brought us uh, uh, today this, uh, this message from Psalm 91. And Lord, this is really uh, just a just a precious, precious uh, psalm for us to hold on to, uh, not only during this time, but all the time that we are under your wings and that we can trust in you and that because uh, we are in you, that you have uh, set us free to be able to serve you and without fear and uh, anxiety. And I just pray right now, Lord, that whatever uh, anxieties that we may have, whatever fears we may have, that we would just offer it once again to you and that we will take your word and we will just really hold on to your word and st stand firm in your word, in your promises, Lord, and help us, Lord, to shine for you, Lord, in this, in, during these days and uh, give us the faith, Lord, to continue to walk with you, to serve you, to glorify your name. And we pray this all in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.